are back in the Football Shed, the podcast for football fans that live in the wrong time zone. My name is John Hewitt and Jeff King is here. G'day. And Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. You nearly forgot about me then, John. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, Roger's here. That's fucking rubbish, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Hi, Rog. How are you? It's great to see you. Oh, I'm very well, thanks, John. <laughs> nice to see you too. Do you know what you didn't turn up to, Rog, this week was uh, the One Beer Wonder. So we've started our One Beer Wonder podcast and Jeff and I have done the first two, not from not inviting you, just from your life being busy or whatever, sifting some soil, um, but you haven't turned up, but you missed out on our uh, defining the, what a big club means this week, which I thought was pretty good, Jeff. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I thoroughly loved it. So if you're not listening to them, make sure you um, find a half-hour window in your life to listen to them. And Roger, if you have any questions that might have been answered on that podcast that you don't know the answer to, then you just, you're not going to find out the answer. I'm just going to tell you that you weren't there, so you can never know. Um, okay. Before we move <laughs> off what defines a big club in the One Beer Wonder, um, we actually got an email from Andy, who's a Chelsea fan, Um and he says, uh, really enjoyed today's One Beer Wonder podcast on big clubs. It got me thinking. As with everything, it's open to individual interpretation. But using your formula and a few additional criteria of my own, I came up with the following. Not sure it will settle any arguments and might cause a few additional ones, but let me know your thoughts. And he's come up with a big club index. Oh, yes. Come on, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> for everyone who hasn't listened to the podcast, go listen to it this week and have a check it out. But he's... Uh, ranked clubs by history, last five years, trophies, stadium, local fan base, worldwide appeal, money, relegation, squad, and league strength. And then wow. he's ranked them all out of five <laughs> by every team. That's, it's that's a labour, labour of love. Andy. Okay, Andy, yeah, who's, who's, the, who's the biggest club? Who's big? Uh, Real Madrid's number one. His top four are Real Madrid, Liverpool, Barcelona, Bayern Munich. Just fair enough. Wow. So, where, yeah, come on. so Spurs are the ones who got a kick in on, on, that, on that podcast. Where did Spurs come? Uh, they're about 14th, 15th, without having numbers next to them. So they're, uh, they're below below PSG and above AC Milan. Oh, good on you, Tottenham. Very good. Um, bottom was Nottingham Forest, who we talked about for longer <laughs> than they deserved. Oh, I love it, Andy. <laughs> Thanks for that. I think that's great. I look forward to reading through that. But yes, anyway, I got sidetracked. Um, did anyone bring a beer for this evening's uh, podcast? Yes, it's called Zytho Brewing. Zytho Brewing. Zytho. No. Doesn't even sound real. Have you not seen no. these guys before? <laughs> Nor have I, but no. it just, the tin looked like toothpaste, so I thought I'd give it a crack. Does it taste minty? No, doesn't at all. Actually, it doesn't taste very nice. It's one of those beers that's got too much flavour. Too much flavour. I'm guessing flavor. Oh. it was also cheap by any chance, yeah, Jeff? Definitely. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. cheap. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just got too much to it. I don't like it. I like simple things in life. <laughs> Rog, what did you bring? Right. Uh, I've got a uh, Thelma and Louise uh, Hazy IPA from Here we go. Chur. Chur. Or Chur. Beer Moth. And beer Moth in the opposite of cheap, aren't they? It's like $15 for a can. Oh, no, no. This one would have been like 12 bucks or something. Sorry, oh, share. A bargain. 10 bucks. Are you talking about share? Like turn back time, share? Sure. No, sh- it's, instead of the E, it's got a U. C-H-U-R. Sure. Sure. So they're really, they're, they're Behemoth or Behemoth or however you want to say it. I'm from New Zealand, but somebody's got the name rights to that in Australia. So in Australia, they're sure. 
Wow. $12, $12 a can. I'm sure you'd say that. How would you say that with a Kiwi accent? Sure. 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 Push and chop. Anyway, go on. John, what are you drinking? Bloody hell. Let's see how many more people we can offend with this segment. <laughs> I'm drinking some wine that's not from New Zealand. It's from Aldi. It's actually from Argentina, I think. It's the same I always have. I don't even know where it's from. But it's always delicious. Aldi land. Aldi land, exactly. Um, every week we start with a question um, after we've rambled on for a few minutes. Before we do that, there's a bit of admin. Um, if you want to get in contact, ask us a question, tell us wrong about something, give us a subject to talk about for One Beer Wonder, that would be good. Um, just find us on Facebook, search Football Shed, or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Um, also, don't forget to subscribe and, of course, leave us a review and tell your mates so more people can hear us talk nonsense about football. This week's question for you both um, is a bit different. Um, I was looking at the top six this week. The big six. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you call them the big six. Uh, Everton, Liverpool, Villa, Leicester, Spurs and Leeds are the top six this year. Can you name the top six after six games of last season? Or, oh, okay. City Are we and taking Liverpool? this in turns? Oh, yeah. City and Liverpool are correct. They were one and two. Leicester. Leicester, correct. Third. Jeff's doing well at this. Rogers being Sheffield crap. United. No, they were tenth. <sighs> Crystal Palace. No, twelfth. Okay, well, Pochettino uh, was on his bad run, Chelsea. so it wasn't Spurs. Wasn't Chelsea? They were eleventh. Arsenal. You've managed to get tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. Arsenal were fourth under Unai Emery at the time. So is that have we got them all then? Oh no, we need six, don't we? Uh, yeah. Wolves. No, Wolves were nineteenth. Oh, there you go. Wow. Uh, but um, puts out of our misery, John. The other two, West Ham and Bournemouth. Oh, really? So Bournemouth got relegated, and West Ham almost got relegated, and we're in a relegation battle. So I just thought it was an interesting thing to bring up with, like looking at this week's. Of the uh, Premier League we all kind of thought it was a bit boring and uneventful but maybe it's just returned to normal um, and there's lower scoring games Villa and Everton lost Liverpool won by a single goal um, and maybe it's just normalising a little bit and the first five or six weeks are weird and everything will even out in a few weeks Um, no <laughs> I mean, okay. Like, let me let me articulate that one better. I, I would say yes and no. <laughs> you two are brilliant. Okay. Well, what have you me, got, Jeff? Let me work through this one a bit with with you. Hear me out. I think that club. The only people who are sick of the league being the way it is right now are the clubs, because everyone else is absolutely loving it. It's a basket case it's thoroughly entertaining it's unpredictable um but you've got to remember a few things those first few weeks the handball rule was causing Mm. mayhem you know and and the the penalties you know the ratios we already discussed it a few weeks ago absolutely insane and, and strange teams were getting strange goals at strange times um there was a absolute disaster of defending across the league 
and I, and I think that that teams there's such we're so heavily weighted with forward play in the Premier League, and we've spoken about it so much about there being no good defenders. And don't get me wrong, there are some good defenders, but there are probably twenty percent good defenders and eighty percent good attackers in the Premier League, and that that hmm. will yeah. lend itself to high scoring games. And I think that there's after one good realizing, defender and he's injured. Say again. <laughs> So there's one, one good defender, defender and he's injured. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I think that uh, the clubs themselves are the only ones that want to tighten this up. And if every every club goes, okay, well, stop. Everyone stop what you're doing, which is essentially what's happened this week. Stop what you're doing. Let's just start from the back, right? Let's just try and not lose. Let's just try and be solid. And it seems that that's just happened across the league in a week. What that doesn't mean is it will maintain like that. So I don't think that we've gone back to a new normal. I think we're in COVID normal, whatever or whatever <laughs> you want to call it, because everything's so squished. So we're, we're at a phase now that, yes, we might have teams deciding to be more conservative, be more reserved, be more pragmatic, just get the points. I mean, look at the, I'm sure we'll get onto it, but the Manchester United-Chelsea game this week was horrible because neither team wanted so to win. And I, and I think that, you talk to a Chelsea fan or talk to a United fan, I'm sure if you listen, you, you won't disagree that it didn't seem like, I'll talk to you, John, did Man United want to win that game or do you want to not lose it? No. I think both sides it. wanted to not lose it and what, what was created was a was a just turgid fest. So, what yeah, I we'll think see... It's fear. I think it's, it's fear, though. Like, I don't think it's not not wanting to win, it's fear of losing. Fear of losing, yeah, or fear yeah. of having what happened to Liverpool happen to you. Uh, and I think that, that plays its part. But we're heading into this period of high fixture density where we're seeing Champions League games every week. And as soon as the Champions League finishes, it's back to the League Cup, all the way through to the busiest Christmas period on record. Now, we're used to busy Christmas periods, but because everything's so squidged up, it's like a game every two days. It's madness. So I think that now you're seeing the soft tissue injuries. There are more soft tissue injuries in this period of time in the Premier League than there ever have been. So we're seeing that rack up. And you're looking at, take Liverpool as an example. They they lost another defender in the Champions League game, didn't they? Yeah, Fabinho's injured. Fabinho, yeah. So there's only going to be so much control clubs now have to tighten things up because, as I said before, we're on probably 80% of the prowess of, of attackers. And if you're playing against second and third string defenders when the first string defenders aren't actually very good anyway, historically, it's going to be chaos for a long time. Last week might have been boring, but I don't think that will last. I've Rog, got a slightly your, different... Uh, yeah, go on. Well, same. I don't think it's. Um, I agree with Jeff in that I don't think this is a reversion to um, to normal, and it will then continue in this pattern. But I think it's a slightly. Uh, it's obviously a small sample size. Um, you know, to say there's been a shift in one week, but I also think you have to look at the individual fixtures this week. Manchester United and Chelsea was a massive game for both clubs, particularly with where where they are in the league. Um, Frank's Chelsea can't defend. So we've now seen for three weeks in a row, uh, if you include Europe, um, they've significantly tightened up at the back, but he hasn't quite got that balance yet, which is to be expected. You know, the players they've brought in, you know, trying to shift. So shipping lots of goals. Okay, let's, as Jeff said, go back to basics. Um, so I think it's understandable. I think for with Man United, it was certainly not wanting to lose. Um, Burnley a Burnley, you know, I think Everton had a couple of their key creative players out. Um, I don't think Arsenal are as, as good as um, people think they are. So I kind of, I also think there was an element of fixtures here. And then, you, you know, you look at Villa near the top of the league, got smashed by Leeds. 
Uh, is that an odd result? Perhaps not, having seen them both play. I, I just think that this is going to be a very even year in the Premier League. It was last year, with perhaps the exception of Manchester City were better than most other teams and Liverpool were quite a lot better than Manchester City. I think that with the injuries at Liverpool, they'll come back to the pack a bit this year. So it's just going to squish everything up a bit more. And I I think we're going to continue, partly because of, as Jeff said, the, you know, the weirdness of the season, um, I, I think we're going to continue to see a, an incredibly even year, which means that we'll keep getting these crazy results. I just... I, I don't think that's going to change. I bloody which is hope great. So, yeah, I was yeah, going to say, it'd be awesome. awesome. But, yeah, I don't think we can brilliant. say after one week that you know it's suddenly going to go to to, well, that to was, dirge. I just that was my fear after this week. I was just like, oh, is it going back to normal? Is it the transfer windows closed? We've had the international break. Is it just kind of going back to this is what will happen? And Man City will win four games in a row and they'll go to the top. Liverpool will win a bunch in a row and they'll go to the top and it will just kind of filter out as we expect. And I really hope it doesn't. I really hope that it kind of goes a bit weird. Um, And moving on to the games, one of the teams that I think, at the start of the season, I wasn't convinced Leeds could do something in the Premier League. I don't know why. Maybe it was just my ignorance and slight arrogance of championship teams going, oh, no, you're not good enough for the Premier League. And not the kind of cliches of Bielsa teams getting worn out, etc. But having watched um, the Leeds-Villa game on the Friday night, which feels like four years ago right now, um, <laughs> <laughs> Leeds were absolutely incredible. Like I will make a point of every week watching Leeds if I can. They play Leicester at the 8pm on the Monday game this week, and I will watch that. That's 7am on a Tuesday morning for us here in Australia. They were brilliant. And what after 20 minutes, they weren't doing brilliantly. And Bielsa had Kelvin Phillips out, and he brought in another guy whose name I can't remember, sorry, to play that kind of pivot role. They play 4-1, 4-1. And in that first one, they brought in a new guy. After 20 minutes, he was like, oh, it's not quite working. And they weren't 2-0 down. It was 0-0. And they were just like, oh, it's not quite working. Going to take him off, bring on a guy who's never played in the Premier League before, who's 18 years old for his debut, move Glick back into that pivot role and just slightly tweak a few things. And they were incredible. And to do that at 20 minutes and see that and go, okay, I just need to change this and this if I bring this guy in. And they ran the show. They didn't have their captain, Cooper. Um, Pablo Hernandez, who was their most creative player last year, was on the bench. And they smashed... Um, Villa, who were top of the league or second or whatever, unbeaten 3-0, and Patrick Bamford looks like the greatest player since Harry Kane. Like, <laughs> but you also, they were amazing. Like, I, I agree with you, John. I thought it was phenomenal. They're, I will never get over their swarm. Their swarm is one of the greatest mm. things I've seen in football in the last year. I just think, you know, you know, when you see new things in football, you're like, I love that. And then when it, when when you've recognised it, and then it happens again, you're like, oh, they're doing the swarm again. Like it's so great. <laughs> but um, I, I'm so glad that, <coughs> that I didn't talk to you guys during this game because at halftime I was basically writing my notes and just going, Patrick Bamford is not good enough for the Premier League. Just like he is crap. <laughs> Look at the chances he's missed. He is not good. He's got no spatial awareness. Like he, he, he can't pick a pass. He can't lay it off and, and and come back into space. I was just like, he's not good enough. And then he just does what he does. And to, for him to get a hat trick, and in my opinion, only play one good half of football, 
it, it was excellent. How many shots did they have? 30 shots on goal lead, something yeah, like that? Yeah, something crazy. Yeah, huge His amount. Goal, where, where he had about 30 players on him in the penalty area. That was just sublime. You that, was a, that, that was it was Dennis Burkamp, that was. Like, the way he adjusted his body and then, um, I, I, you know, got the shot away. I just I just thought that was brilliant. I could watch that again and again. But the, the thing only, is... Go on, Rog. The, the thing I was going to say about watching Leeds... So I... Um, one of the things I always watch with Leeds is Luke I, Luke Ayling. Um, so he's the, mm. he's the captain, um, which is one reason. The other is because he's ex-Bristol City. Um, so I've always got a bit of a soft spot for him. And he's always been like what you'd call like a solid pro, um, mm. but nothing particularly spectacular. Um, but, you know, he's been really good so far th- this, year, this year for Leeds. He's got great energy, which you need in a Bielsa team. But it just got me thinking like... Um, Richmond won the uh, AFL mm. this week. They won the on the flag, um, won the grand final against, um, who, and against the, who? Rog, who was it against, against the, the mighty Geelong Cats? Unfortunately, <laughs> but um, they're they're the most successful team now in the sort of modern era in AFL. Mm. And I think the way I'm not going to apologise to any Richmond fans, Alex. I think this is true. They are the worst great team that there's ever been. So yeah, if you okay. break them so, down to their individual parts, a lot of their players are pretty crap. But mm. they have an absolute superstar, which is the way they can get away with what they do. But they also have a system that has complete buy-in of the players and works so well to the point where everyone just focuses on their task and does it really, really well. And this is exactly what I see with the Bielsa team. And it made me think, you know, when you have a coach that is that good, what you can do with perhaps players who aren't amazing. Like I think there are, you know, Leeds have some good players, no doubt, but I think they have a lot of players. If you put, pulled them out of that team and just put them on their own, you know, There'd be no one. Yeah. they wouldn't get a game in the Premier League. And so I think it just amazes me. I think you sometimes take it for granted, but he is a, like a genius. Like someone, you know, like Jeff said, it's watching something new, but I think it's the Leeds, it's like a, we talk about Pep, it being like a machine. Mm. And to me, Leeds are a bit like that. It's a diff, definitely a way different machine to the Pep machine. But it, it's it's all the parts. And that's what I, I love about watching Leeds. I, you know, I'd love this game because of the Bamford individual moments, but it's also just that thing of all the players are bought into the system. As you said, Johnny can change it round and it will still work. And we are privileged to be able to watch that in the Premier League. Can yeah, I, can I say that the one thing that I worry for Leeds is the, the how clinical the they now. are. So you're, you're right, they are better than the sum of their parts. That is an absolute fact. But because of that, there are moments where they are reliant on the skill level of their parts. So, you know, mm. I mean, the, the quality of a ball that goes out to a wide player, it doesn't matter how well positioned that wide player is. If the quality of the ball is not so, then they've wasted that opportunity. And there were a few times in that game where they were so positionally perfect, but just the skill level of the player, do you, do you know what I mean? Like the outside yeah. of the pass just wasn't there or the first touch for the centre forward just wasn't there. Well, you so, mentioned it with Bamford. Like yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah, and if they're yeah. going to have, again, 30 shots, but only three go in, that says it all. You know, one in 10, you're not going to live and breathe in the Premier League off that. But I think what's impressive is that one Bielsa did the sub early, so thought something's wrong, 
And Kelvin Phillips, who's got in the England squad, is probably their best player and most important player. They didn't have him in the team. And they didn't have um, Cooper, who's usually their captain, and Ailing played captain and played centre-back instead. So you're basically taking out your captain and your best player, and they were brilliant. And everyone who comes through and just slots in, slots into the system, knows exactly what they've got to do. That's pretty impressive. So I think that was amazing. Um, that Leicester game will be fascinating. Yeah, I can't wait for Leeds Leicester. It's going to be, well, let's move on to Leicester. I wanted to talk about talking of coaches, let's stick with coaches. Leicester played Arsenal and Leicester won 1 0 away from home. And Jamie Vardy came off the bench and scored and won it for them. Um, and going from the good coach to what, in my opinion, is probably not the best coach, I've gone on and on about it about Arteta being overrated. But we've just talked about how. Uh, what the league looked like after six games last season. And Emery was in fourth. Arsenal were in 11th on nine points. And everyone says that Arteta's doing something good and bringing something amazing to Arsenal and they're getting better. And, oh, you can see the progress. I can't see the progress. I can't see what's better. I don't understand why everyone thinks Arsenal are getting better or improving I'm, I'm like they just lost uh, to Leicester Lemieux at home. Is still not a left winger. He's a centre exactly. forward. Play, play him as a centre forward. Yeah, and I just don't understand what I'm missing and what I'm going. Why is everyone saying Arteta? Is there just a huge media bias, or is he actually crap? Oh, it's this is a this is a really big question, John. I, I I'd love to just jump on. I'd love to. I'd love to agree with you. And I'd love to just say, yeah, Arteta's crap. It's a huge disappointment. Just wait for it to all fall apart and we can all just laugh at him. Um, however, I do think that, by the way. I agree with John. <laughs> the, the only reason you don't don't agree with John is because he in your, is an Everton legend and you love him. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I think that there are, there are some problems in that team that good coaching will not fix. So Arteta taking the blame for Mustafi is not whether Arteta is a good coach or not. Mustafi should not be on a Premier League football field. He just shouldn't. And David well, Luiz went off in that game gonna, and Mustafi went on. And I'm just going to interrupt you at that point, Jeff, just purely because we got an email from Newell, who's an Arsenal fan, and it just says, that moment as an Arsenal supporter when you see Mustafi and Xhaka as the centre-backs. <laughs> <laughs> and then a big black hole in midfield. <laughs> that's exactly right. And yours exactly right. And But that's what I mean. So, so I, look, I get it. Because, you know, we, we put the blame at um, Lampard's door, don't we, for, for bad coaching when, when there are defensive errors. But we know when, when, when David Luiz going off is the biggest problem you have. Let me just re- repeat that. When David Luiz going off is the biggest problem you have, you've mm. got major problems. And and I don't think that that is Arteta's fault. I really don't. Or at least not exclusively. Don't get me wrong. He had the summer. He could have bought defenders. You know, we, we'll, we'll talk about this. But we, we've been talking about it. There's no good defenders out there. And actually, he bought one of the best available in um, uh, Gabriel, didn't he? So mm. uh, I think that um, Mustafi's error for... Uh, for Vardy's goal, terrible. His positioning was 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 piss poor, and we can't really blame Arteta for that. If you if you look at the stats of this game, Arsenal had more possession. They had twice as many shots on target. They had um, 
twice as but many shots off target. I, you, and they also had a goal I that should, that should though, have stood that didn't. They, they got chalked off. So they never looked like scoring, though. I don't agree. I don't think Arsenal played well in this game. I think they that yes, they might have had more shots and more possession, but I don't think they played well. There's no way you could say Arsenal bossed this game. I think Leicester, um, you know, kept it kept it tight. Didn't really concede any chances. I also think that Leicester are nowhere near the same team without Jamie Vardy. They bought Vardy yeah. on and, and and they scored. But I think Arsenal have all the same problems they had last year. I don't think they've signed well. I think Pepe is weak. I think mm. as a you know seventy-two million pound winger, I don't get it. I don't see it. The um ro- sorry, Roger, the second line in Neil's right. email. Also, when Pepe, when will Pepe justify his transfer fee? <laughs> You always get him on the show. Come on, mate. I just sort of feel like he's a. They saw his stat sheets, and he's like, "Oh, he got a few goals in France. He's quite young. Yeah. He could be good." I every time I watch him, I'm unconvinced. And partly it's because he's got a really weird way of kicking the football. But I think partly mm. it's just because he's. And I'm just like, get a Bamiyang up front, please. I know Lacazette is also a good player, but a Bamiyang is not a wide man. But there's a point. There is a point as a club post uh, Arsene Wenger era whatever there is a point as a club where you just need a bit of stability and if you if we look at Arteta right now and you go okay well does he have the capabilities of being there long term I'd say yes is he the manager they need right now to be a top four side or win the league no I, I agree with you John I don't think he's up to the up to the challenge but does he have a way of playing football that is future proof I'd, I'd argue that he would. He does. Can he do it to perfection? Definitely not. He's not there yet, but his team isn't there yet. If he had a team, if he was manager of Real Madrid, he would get the sack because he's not capable of managing at that level yet. But he's probably capable of managing the type of players he's got right now. They are just as flawed as he is. So if you're going to grow together, replace players together, you know, I think that they will and should stick with him, even though I agree with you that he's limited at the moment. I, I, just, I just think that He's on a different trajectory to someone like Emery. He's got be- he's got worse stats than Emery. Emery's mm. equivalent amount of games in charge of Arsenal. He won more points. He had more wins. He had fewer losses. So Emery yeah. is statistically better than Arteta. But you could see that Emery was on a downward spiral, and Arteta is trying to build something. So yes, there, there is a bit of media hype. There is a bit of kind of bias, rose tinted glasses, but if you ignore that, is he the right man for the job? He probably will be. And he's the best you're going to get. I oh. think you're wrong. I think he's crap. I, <laughs> I, I, I thought this is my I opinion. I never liked him. Never liked him as a player. Could not understand <laughs> the hype. Like when there was, I got so irate when there was all that hype about maybe he could play for England. He's crap. He had a few good seasons at Rangers in a complete monkey league. Like the guy was just not very good. <laughs> And I don't think he's going to be a very good manager. That's just my opinion, but I, I, I don't think he's the right man. Well, I'm going to stick with the theme of managers this <laughs> evening because I'm enjoying it. And can we talk um, about Jamie Vardy or not? Oh, you know, yeah, go on, Rog. You go on, Jamie Vardy, before I move off. Just uh, 109 really goals. Yeah, moved. So I just he changes the game for Leicester. Obviously, he missed last week, and Leicester lost. And I mm. just think that he. His importance to Leicester and the way Leicester play, I think, is as much as any individual player at any club in the league. I just, you cannot underrate how he scored a goal in every 64 minutes this season. 
Yeah, that's ridiculous. But and I think also, pretty, I, pretty good. <laughs> I think it's underrated that he's obviously getting older. I don't know how old he is, but 33, 34. Um, so he doesn't have as much pace. He's but still he's still fucking quick, isn't he? Still fucking quick and finishes. He's just Pat really Ronaldo. good. At, he puts the ball in the net. He runs that two or three yards and puts the ball in the net. And that is invaluable. And I love, yeah, I think he's brilliant. And he this didn't is start what playing in the, until he was 25. Football League debut at 25. Like, that is so good. And this so is good. what I was saying about Patrick Bamford. The, the difference between a player like Patrick Bamford and, and Jamie Vardy, obviously, you know, chalk and cheese really with what they've achieved in their careers. But mm. Jamie Vardy scores goals. He has an opportunity and he scores a goal. Patrick Bamford needs 10 and he scores a hat-trick. Great, yeah. he's got a hat-trick. No. But I would, I would look at those two and go, well... Bamford, you need to replicate that to be taken really seriously. Um, so if we stick with Arsenal for a sec, Arteta um, and Arsenal go to Man United this weekend. So it's Man United against Arsenal. Another manager that's kind of a bit under pressure or kind of people aren't sure about is Oli. So sticking on the kind of manager theme thing, Arsenal are on nine points after six games. Man United are on seven points after five games. So they have a game in hand. So in theory, if they win that game in hand, they're above Arsenal. But the media story is that Oli doesn't know what he's doing and Arteta does, which I think is fine, slightly odd. Now, I was we were going to record this last night, but we couldn't because of various reasons. And Man United played this morning and win 5-0 against Red Bull Leipzig, who got to the semi-finals of the Champions League. And now Oli's a genius. And Oli knows exactly <laughs> what he's doing. And he's the greatest manager of all time. And he's taking over the world. And I, I, rather than talking about Oli particularly or Arteta particularly, it's more around the kind of knee-jerk reaction. I've talked about Man United, how we need to wait eight games to know where this Man United team's at. And suddenly we win 5-0 this morning and suddenly Man United have a great squad and we're brilliant and they're really great and the whole thing's different. And um, I guess I'm just kind of a bit bored of it. Can everyone just chill out? (laughs) (laughs) But but sometimes you do just need a result though, John. I do, I agree with you, but I think that this morning's result was big um, because it's like a big result. And I do sometimes mm. you do just need a bit of confidence as well. And I think like we saw at the back end of last year, you really got on a roll with that team. I think Man United's deficiencies are still there in terms of your squad depth. We we kind of know that. I don't think you fixed it all. And you know, we've talked about what's the right balance in midfield. I don't think that's gone anywhere. But you have got some very good players. Do you know we were just talking about Vardy? Um Rashford was amazing this morning and so I think good. there is a chance that your prediction may come true in terms of, I just feel like at the moment he is winning games for Manchester United, which is great. And I, it's funny, I look at, we know the great things Rashford's doing in the um, in the community, in the political world at the moment as well, but he's just one of those players, I want him to succeed so badly. Yeah. I hate Manchester United. I, like, it is, <laughs> hate is a strong word, but I really, really hate Manchester United. <laughs> But I want Rashford to do well at everything he does. And it's just yeah. so good to watch. But the um, actually, the, the goal that really caught my eye this morning was Mason Greenwood. Because oh, again, these players don't come along very often. The thing, the thing that was amazing about this goal, he doesn't look up. Mm. There is no glance up before he receives the ball. 
in terms of looking to the far post to see. It is an innate ability to know exactly where you are in relation to the goal, to put it right in the corner like that without looking up. And I, I just was, that blew me away. Like, I just think he is a goal scorer. And you haven't had a goal scorer like that probably since Rude Van Horseface. Yeah, no, he was, that finish this morning was absolutely amazing and was pure kind of world-class finishing, no thinking about it, just amazing. Was offside though. Like, <laughs> 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 so they went to. I, I was watching like the this morning. Should have looked up, Rod. Should he? <laughs> <laughs> I, went, I was watching this morning. Scored it. and was like, that's amazing. And then they showed that oh, I was checking VAR. Went, oh, I was obviously offside, decently offside. And they went, no, it's a goal. I'm like, hang what? on. But fine. You know, going back to the, the United Chelsea game, I'd say that. Yeah, it was a nil-nil. We've already spoken about neither team really wanted mm. to win, but Chelsea should have. Chelsea should have had a penalty. I think that was Stonewall mm. with Maguire's hands all over. Um, who was it? That he was Quetta. He was just bear hugging him. I think that is as that is as much of a penalty. You look at that penalty, 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 penalty mm. every day of the week, and I think that um, that would have obviously changed the complexion of the game. And, and you know, would did we... either team deserve to win? Though I don't know if they did. I can't no, feel like that. Be a nil-nil that nil-nil was draft. a gross nil-nil. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was definitely my worst 90 minutes of this weekend. But then, I, but then as you I said, Rob, really excited about watching it and then just went, oh, this is yeah, dire. Waste of your life. But as you, as you said, Roger, that's Chelsea with three clean sheets in a row. And yeah. that's in a week, you know, and that is enough to build some confidence at the back to go, okay, well, we know what we're doing at least. The, the and problem- they won well this morning too. So I, I mm. sort of, I think both those clubs will, um, you know, look at okay this isn't just a result this morning this has been we've been building towards this a little bit and now is when we um you know we start to sort of find our form but sometimes you just need that result to give you a bit of confidence i'm more convinced about that happening with united than than chelsea because i think chelsea's flaws are more more glaring um but i did but, with the but it's chelsea a fascinating name. game the arsenal game john like because it's not yeah. You know, if you all of a sudden, if you do lose that, then you, the pressure is straight back on because you're Man United. Yeah, which is like that's fair enough. Um, with the Chelsea Man United game, it was kind of like watching, you know, when you're at school and there's always the bad <laughs> I love kids your at school, school stories, John. Your school analogy. Whenever I think about Frank Lampard, I think of the school child. He looks like a school child and he just acts like a school child. But, you know, when, like at school, there's always the bad kids or whatever. <laughs> and then, and then, like, for one for one reason or another, they decide that they're going to try really hard in this science class today. What? And, what? And, yeah, where are you going with this? No, no, no. But, like, you sound like little, Jeff. Little Jeff and little Roggie try really hard in science that day and they do really well and they get a C. That's like watching Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Frank Lampard manage nil-nil was. They were like, we're going to try really hard at our homework today. We're going to be really good at getting a clean sheet. We're going to do it. Oh, we've done it. That's brilliant. No one gives a shit. It was really boring. Let's go fuck off. I love it, Joe. Keep them coming. You should write a book. I will try. I will try. Um, Let's move on to another coach that's maybe struggling a little bit. Well, maybe. I don't know. But... I'll ask you, Jeff. Is it the end of Pep Guardiola? Oh, it's a, I think that's a great question, John. Um, 
I am, I'm not sure, but the obviously Aguero's, Aguero's in, injured again. The the fact that oh, is he? How, how long is he out for? A month, four weeks, Ooh. or a month, whichever you want to say. That's fine. You can choose either one. Um, <laughs> the, the fact four that weeks. Pep Guardiola has spent four hundred and fifty million pounds on defenders, but yet when Aguero's injured, doesn't have a striker to back up mm. and came out this week and said that they couldn't afford one. Did you, did you read that? Oh, no, I haven't seen that. So he came out and said that, um, you know, we could, we, of course we wanted to buy a striker in January, but to, to buy a new striker, he has to be as good as Aguero and, and Jesus. And because of that, they cost so much money and we don't have enough money. Like you've just spent 450 million pounds on, on defenders and, and, and you do that every year. Like you spend up, you spend seventy million pounds a year on defenders, and that to me. Uh, and look, who am I to question whether Pep Guardiola is a good coach? I am no one, and he's a good coach. <laughs> However, I've got a soapbox here, and I'm going to do it. If if he is as good as his reputation, he should be able to coach defenders to be better. He should not hmm. have to go buy them. And when I don't get me wrong, teams buy defenders. I get that, but when he, they have so much top-class raw material at that club, plus excellent defenders, he should be able to coach them into being a robust defence. At least enough to have saved fifty million pounds to be able to have backup strikers when when but when your only two are injured. It's it's just it's it's a catastrophe what's going on at Manchester City. Also, with the defenders he buys. Is it me, or have you never heard about them until he spends sixty million pounds on them? Like I've never, like yeah. Ruben Diaz, he comes in as sixty million pounds, the savior. No other club was interested in Ruben Diaz. Why is suddenly he brilliant? Cancelo, because he can't he, buy defenders. Like no one cared about Cancelo. Oh, I spend sixty million on him. Like, exactly right. Where? And the only one that you've heard about. You knew was shit, Nathan Ake. <laughs> I am. I do you know? I am so glad you brought this up as well with the Man City centre backs, because I, it frustrates me seeing John Stones never get a Guernsey mm. at Man City, yeah. especially having watched him have a great World Cup. I was so optimistic after that. I'm like, this is it. This is when he fulfills his potential. You know, he he's a he. He's a leader. He is a great defender and he's a leader. And, um, you know, we know he's got the other parts of his game. If he gets the defensive bit right, he is truly world-class defender. And so I get sad every week when I see him just sitting there on the bench. Now, I watched this this game. Mm. Eric Garcia. Yep. Is possibly one of the most pointless players I've <laughs> ever seen. <laughs> He's about five foot five. He's a he's a beanpole. He's you know he's like a he's like watching a small child, and he plays centre back. Well, he's only like Man- nineteen. Yeah, but I, I what I I there is absolutely nothing there that I see that says to me he is a good defender. Yeah, like he can he can pass the ball. He looks like a an okay midfielder playing centre back, and I'm like, yeah, what does that say about John Stones? I'm like, I just find it bizarre. He's he wanted to leave as well, and Pep is still playing him every week. And I watched him, and I'm like, he just Man City will concede a goal because he is not a good defender. Well, I was going to say, does that mean that everyone in the league now, when you play Man City, thinks I have a chance? Because it yeah. used to be you play Man City yeah. and oh, I lose four 0 but right, you don't get Sheffield, the ball. Sheffield yeah. United, 
play Man City at home this weekend. I think Sheffield United, who have one point and no wins this season so far, going, you know what? We can get a result against Man City. And that is a huge difference. That's the change. That's exactly the change. And I think... um, Oh, I mean, is that because they're worse, or is that because teams have worked it out? What What do you think? Sir? Well, no, I think their fear factor's gone, and, and I think that oh, I hate talking about intangibles like they're tangible. They didn't have a physical thing called a fear factor, and they haven't lost it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> People would go into a game against Manchester City, and they would know they'd be on the back foot. They'd know that they would get steamrolled, and they, you know, you would know hmm. what would happen. And, and it's hard to admit that as a professional. But there would be that in your mind. Of course there would be. When they get 100 points a season, that would just be one of those inevitabilities. But right now, that fear factor is not there. And because of that, teams have a go. And you have a go at Manchester City and you might get something. When you get some claws in that game, you might win it. But it's so, And it's so weird because when even when it was peak Man City, the teams that we saw do well against them were the teams that had a go. We saw Bristol City do it in the Carabao Cup where they, you know, that yes, they were compact, but when they had the chance to go forward, they did. And those were the teams that caused Man City problems. But I feel like the difference now is every team is doing that. Like watching this game of West Ham, I was really impressed with West Ham. Mm. I thought Declan Rice was great, but they were, it was very un-West Ham. They were disciplined, you know, they they kept their shape. Yes, Man City passed the ball very well, we know that, but West Ham did not concede too many you know, clear-cut chances. They just, they were disciplined. And then whenever they broke, they looked dangerous. And with their, with the most dynamic number nine slash right back in the league, <laughs> who can score, score amazing over, overhead kicks for fun. This was an amazing finish, by the way, as well. Yeah, it was so a good. Brilliant, brilliant goal. But you, you know, you, you're going to get a chance. And it was like, it was like the perfect away 1-0 against Man City. And I was like, West Ham don't do that. Like I'm sorry, yeah. Foden scored. I know, but that was like that. Yeah. You felt like that was going to be the result. Yeah. But uh, and I was like, West Ham don't do that. But so I was kind of I was more impressed with West Ham than I was about um, being surprised about Man City, which kind of says maybe it's become quite normal mm. that Man City are, are, are doing this. Sorry, I'm trying to get this one out, but it made me laugh my ass off at the time. So Antonio's goal, right, the overhead kick. The build in yeah. the build up to that, down the right hand side, there was a there was a handball. Did you, you see it? Yeah. So yeah, Suchek, I've heard about this. Suchek chested yeah. the ball, it went on his arm, bounced forwards into the corner flag, then he laid it back to someone, I can't remember who it was, pardon me, he put the cross in to go to Antonio, Antonio overhead kick, and we all know the rest, it was wonderful. <laughs> So it was such a blatant handball. The The rules of the game say these days there are two phases of play. And if the handball was in the first phase of play, the sec- it can't affect the second phase of play if it's not called in the first phase. So even if VAR did see it as a handball, it wouldn't have a, they couldn't have disallowed the goal because of it, unlike last year. However, Suchek did an interview after the game. Well, they said to him, I think he got man of the match. I think I can't remember. It didn't interview after the game where they said, Oh, you know, excellent, you know, excellent performance. What a goal, you know, great build up. But you know, there's a, there's a suspicion of, of handball and the build up. Uh, what's your what's your reflection of that? And he said, Oh, well, you know, I, I went to I went to chest it and I, I wanted to go that direction, but you know, I didn't see it, didn't see the incident. <laughs> 
<laughs> you were the incident. You, you didn't see it. You're, you're using the football line of, oh, I, haven't, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. It was you. It was your <laughs> arm. It was literally up. You could feel it. What are you talking about? He points like. Oh, the man! Come on, Jeff. The man's Czech. He might have just, you know, it might be a, a language barrier there. He just <laughs> no. He had a right smile on it when it went back to the um to the studio. They were just laughing their ass off. Like, you didn't see it, mate. <laughs> but how? What a shame if that goal would have been ruled oh, out. Yeah, you just don't want to see. You know, you see things like that, and you're like, it was so, like such a good finish. Um. But yeah, I, I um, look. I was in, impressed with West Ham, and I I don't necessarily subscribe to the view that Pep's finished. Um, but this is a big challenge for him, and we mm. usually see around this time that sometimes he can get a bit burned out and needs a new project. So it's yeah, it's in, interesting times for Man City. I'm I have a couple of things on West Ham. Um, one, they're twelfth, um, and only three points from fifth. West Ham at the start of the season, we all talked about, oh, they're playing Man City, they're playing Arsenal, they're play- whoever they're playing. They had the worst run. They're actually only three points off fifth. They play Liverpool next, which difficult game, obviously. But if they once they get that out of the way, they will have a much easier run. I, I envisage them being here and being on one point or zero points, and they're on eight points. So I think they're doing really, really well. Um, and- Didn't you have them going down? Or one of you did, I'm sure. I think Jeff did. I'm going to blame Jeff. (laughs) Um, And I have one other thing on Antonio. Do you reckon there's, and you don't have to answer this by actual players, do you reckon there's players playing in the wrong position in the Premier League? Yeah. Antonio. All of them. uh, Jeff, your microphone's got really low. We can't hear you. But um, all of Man City centre backs. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, um, because it struck me, he's a right back. Well, like played right back, played midfield, played everywhere. But he's been playing up front now and he's brilliant. And so have we been playing Wan Bissaka in the wrong place and actually he's a left winger? Or is so should be like, I don't, I, we get stuck in the idea that this player plays here and he can't do anything else. And maybe, and Bielsa does it at Leeds and has changed people's position. He changed Calvin Phillips' position and has gone, you actually could work here. And uh, I think there's not enough of that. And seeing Antonio do so, so well, we should do it more. Who is the player who played for Blackburn? Who was a centre-back, centre-forward? Chris, oh, uh, Chris Sander. Samba. Yeah. Oh, so he said centre-back, centre-forward. Like, it, was, it was excellent to watch. But we've, we've seen it in the history of the Premier League. You know, um, oh, Jeez, Gareth Bale Matt started, Elliott. didn't he? And now, it, now he plays. You know, center, he doesn't even play R- left. Ryan Ryan Giggs. When you saw Ryan Giggs and his pomp flying up the wing, you're like, it could this guy be a central midfielder? No, but as he got older, you know, he was excellent there for United. It, it definitely. I mean, it's. I do think there's an element, though, John. Of is it wrong, or you know, do we underestimate how good football players can evolve and develop? Mm. Maybe maybe we do, um, and particularly younger players. Um, but I I don't think there are that many players like Antonio, who is essentially the ultimate utility player, who can feasibly play in all those positions. I don't yeah. think there are that many of those. James I'd Milner. Argue, I'd argue that James Milner. Yeah. And I'm just going to spit this out because it might be complete bollocks. But if you've been playing as right back, left, 
like centre back. Never stopped you before. <laughs> your whole life, which are high discipline, high pressure positions, right? Mm. You, you have to track back, follow players. Like that's that's your job. And someone said, "I tell you what, I'll put you up front today." Now, what you got to do is just stay there. Just stay up as high as you can. Make sure you're not offside. Just stay there. When the ball comes to you, just just, just you know, fend off a defender and see what you can do. You would fucking love it. And you would make the most oh. of it, just like Antonio. Antonio has upgraded his life from being a right back. <laughs> 100%. You're spot on, Jeff. Because if you were suddenly yeah. told oh, you're centre forward for West Ham against the biggest teams in England and you spent your life playing right back for Nottingham Forest, you're like, well, I'm going to make the most of this. Give it a go. Yeah. You'd work the hardest. You'd you'd try your best. You wouldn't let that chance slip through your fingers. And every goal you scored, you would feel it. And people would resonate with that. So uh, there's got to be something in that. Um, is, before, he, um, is he a chance of getting on the plane? Said to a centre forward, okay, you go you go play right back. No. no Do we get no. him on the plane? Um, yeah, I, I would have him in my England squad. As right purely back? because... He can play every position. So <laughs> he's just perfect. You can go, yeah, play wherever you want. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about whilst we're talking about the Premier League um, is Tottenham. And the reason I want to talk about Tottenham is they won this week 1-0 against Burnley, which going to Burnley is always a difficult place to win. Um, and we've talked about how good Carrie Kane is and Son's amazing and Bale's coming back. But I just had, I had a horrible feeling this week that they're sat in fifth on 11 points, two points off the top. It all seems to be coming together perfectly for Jose. The world's a bit skew-if, and like we've talked about it before, this league's a bit strange, people are losing, things are going strange. Can Spurs win the league? No. <laughs> I'm going to say yes. I would have said, I'm, like, I had Spurs finishing in, in 11th this year, but hmm. I I am seeing something with Spurs. Like, and I, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, it's not necessarily just the way Spurs are playing. There's something there with Mourinho. This has hmm. got a little bit of that sparkle back. Um, they've signed well. I don't know if you uh, saw in their Europa League game in midweek, but their, their new striker, who I gave a bit of a plug to, um, yeah, Vinicius. Uh, yeah, got a couple of. Um, did he get a goal or he got a couple of assists? He got a and, couple of assists. Yeah. Uh, look, look good. Um, I I agree with you, John. Just sort of feels like, and I think the Burnley result. They've been free scoring, which we know. You know, there was the West Ham game to then go and grind out a one nil against Burnley, where the Spurs weren't very good. Burnley probably had the better chances in that game and and could have won, but to go and get a result. Um, I think he's a sign that he's sort of got that team playing for him, which yeah. he hasn't had. The, the issue he's had at, at some of these, you know, the clubs more recently for a long time is he's lost the players quite quickly. And I, I kind of feel like they're not going to go away um, this year. I think they're in the conversation. Do you know, I think he has benefited greatly from there not being any fans in the stadium. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, because, so, I mean, let me, let me elaborate on that uh, a little Jose bit. Jose particularly? You Jose mean? particularly has benefited greatly. Not necessarily. And, and because of that, you know, Spurs, piggyback on that. But if you are a supporter of a Jose Mourinho side, you quickly get very fed up 
with the way that you play football. You know, and it happened at Man United, and the fans turn on you. And because of that, you see a bit of a um, a disconnect between your tactics and what players are doing. And, and we we saw it. Geez, I mean, you I, you could reel off ten games where where you've seen, you know, some players stay to the game plan and some players go off a bit rogue. That creates space. They lose. Mourinho comes out at the end of the game and he absolutely lambasts someone, and it's because they didn't stick to the game plan. But that's because there are sixty thousand people yelling at them, telling them not to be so negative, not to play it backwards, not to play it sideways. You know, run further up than the halfway line. They're, they're under a lot of pressure by the fans because fans don't want to pay forty pounds every week to watch some of the football Jose Mourinho serves up. So the fact that there are no fans means that the Spurs team can actually play the way they plan to play without external pressure. And I think that is perfect for Mourinho. If um, the fans come back into the stadium and Spurs are second, they will not give a shit. They won't care. That's what I mean. So this this particular moment in time is perfect. But if the fans were there now... And they were they were one nil up in the game at the weekend, and they were essentially shutting up shop to keep that. Mm. Even after they conceded three goals in the last eight minutes or whatever the previous week, and they're shutting up shop, there would be a whole heap of nervous fans in the room, and, and yeah. those nervous fans would have an effect on the players. And if you saw that, and you're like, "Oh, well, we got away with one," and then you see the first half of next week's game, and you see the same kind of sideways football, you would feel exactly the same. And sooner or later, you'd start hurling a blue skirt. Same old Jose. We've seen it all before. Oh my God, it's so negative. You need to grow up. You know, get to the modern time. You would see that happen. So he is he is benefiting from an environment where his team can play his tactics without the pressure of the of the fans watching. That is good for Jose. And I agree with you too, Roger. I think I think he does have a bit of a twinkle in his eye that I've not seen for a while, which I, I enjoy. And he's got Sun and Kane. Oh yeah, and I just yeah. Oh, you know amazing. you can play the Jose way, but they do. It seems like particularly so far this year. There is, uh, you know, a, a connection between those two. You don't see that often. Um, and, and it's like old school. That, you you can it? almost got, tactics don't matter. Yeah, it's just Robin. that's right. And it's just and you, you do, there. You've got two players, and all you need with the quality they've got. One moment goal, you know, yeah. and they they keep doing that at the moment. But I've the thing about it is, it could be sustainable. You know, we've been talking about Harry Kane as a one-season wonder for five years now. He's probably quite good at football. Um, <laughs> Maybe. S- 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 you know, Sun is also, you know, a good a good footballer. It just seems... I just watched that and I, you know, I'm enjoying it. I don't enjoy Jose teams, but I'm enjoying watching Sun and Kane play hmm. football together. You'd argue he's been the best number 10 in the Premier League this year. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, saying that, you said about enjoying watching them. They're playing tomorrow morning at 5am and I went, oh, I'd quite like to watch that, partly because Gareth Bale's playing. And I can't remember the last time, even as a Man United fan, when Jose was in charge, I went, oh, I might wake up at 5am to watch a Jose Mourinho team. And that's a big nil, sign. Nil, John. For me, yeah, it would have been inter. Like you, it would have been this inter days was the last time I'd have gone up and gone, oh, I wouldn't mind watching that. Yeah. I get up at six anyway, so I watch the second half. Um, <laughs> we're just... <laughs> Um, just to run through the last bits of the Premier League, Liverpool won, uh, Everton lost, which is brilliant. We're not going to let you reply, Jeff. Just you lost. That's excellent. Brilliant. Shea Adams scored. Look good. Shea Adams scored. Southampton looked very good, actually. Um, and then I wanted to quickly touch on before we go on side stories. Has anyone seen this Burnley takeover? Two hundred mil no. for, for Burnley. So, so there's a bid come in today for Burnley to be taken over. 
Um, yeah, of 200 mil, as you say, Jeff. From a guy who was turned down by the EFL as a fair and proper person to take oh. over a club. And then, so he was banned for 50 days from making bids on football clubs. And then after that 50 days was up, he went, oh, I'll try and buy Burnley. Who, who is this, sorry? Is I, I haven't got it in front of me, so I'm not exactly sure on the names. And But I just read the article today and went, oh, come on. And like Burnley... <laughs> Why is it always so ugly? Why is yes. it just like... Well, I can't can't what, it's, it's interesting that it's... Well, when it's Burnley and Burnley are um, right next door... Do you know what I immediately thought of with this? Right next door to Blackburn. They're their local rivals. Uh, the Blackburn chicken takeover. Mm. Oh, yes. Didn't, didn't when they go well. So Tread very carefully, Burnley. Venkies. The, yeah, the Venkies. The Venkies yeah. Oh, so gross. Chicken magnates. Yeah. But um, basically, the Burnley takeover, there's a couple of people involved in trying to bid for the club. And there's been a few things going on that they, they're really, really well run as a business. Um, and they're profitable and they're in the Premier League. So as someone who wants to take over, perfect per- place to go. But the people that are trying to do it don't look good. So, uh, oh, well, I look forward to seeing that develop. Yeah. Um, does anyone have any side stories? Yeah, a couple this week. Um, firstly, did you see the old um, Alan St. Maximan's mate signed for Newcastle? <laughs> yes, this is amazing because <laughs> he scored an overhead in training. Oh, God. What is what is the world coming to? Right. So this bloke, he is, um, uh, I think he's 21 years old, some of that. He was playing in the NPL in Australia, which is yeah. the or NPL 2. So the, the third division he was working as a as a bricklayer playing the same basically non- the same league that we go and watch when we watch Moreland FC like yeah ditchy ditchy tiny park football um but he is obviously he's good mates with Alan St. Maximan and Alan St. Maximan got him to come over for a trial he got a two-week trial the the look, the story is he scored an excellent overhead kick and they gave him a year contract. That's the story. And the story is that Steve Bruce has come out and gone, oh, it's a bit of a gamble, a bit of a gamble, but he's friends with Alan. And, uh, and, and, and oh, corker, corker goal. So we thought we'd, we'd just go for it. What the fuck? That's great. <laughs> I kind Stuff of, of comic books. I kind of enjoy it because um, it's bas- they basically signed him to so St. Maximum can have a mate around. But they've just made it look like it's a football. And he played for Saint Etienne when he was a kid in France, so he's okay. But he was just signed to have a mate. <laughs> um, um, Roger, you got anything? Uh, uh, yeah, slightly different uh, um, tone. I, I don't know. Uh, it, I just read this and it surprised me. Um, I don't know if you saw that this, there's potential San Siro may be demolished. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's there's both Inter and Milan, you know, want to have a, a new stadium, um, and the Italian Heritage Authority has just announced that they've got no objections to the San Siro being demolished and a new stadium being built, rather than redeveloped and keeping some of the the stadium. Um, they, so they they deemed that you know uh, it didn't have enough heritage value to warrant the stadium staying. Which I just thought it's madness. It's crazy, yeah, and 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 so 
so sad and then you know i just went on to read lots of stuff about the san siro and it's definitely like i loved italian football in the 1990s mm. um you know and every, i'd watch the the live game or two live games a week on football italia and i'd watch the um uh, gazetta on 10 o'clock on a saturday, saturday morning. morning with the newspapers um, yeah like it was peak peak uh you know at Serie A and I remember watching games at you know the derbies at full San Siro and you sort of think of things like that and you're like to say that that has no value I just find bizarre and I also find it really sad that both the clubs that play there would be happy to demolish it and have a new stadium built I just sort of uh, I mean maybe I'm too much I know, of I know too romantic with some of this stuff you know I just it just made me sad I know the stadium is a complete mess. It's a bit grim. It's very yeah, dated, it's, yeah. It's yeah. properly grim. It's just a big concrete bowl that's not been looked after and yeah. no one enjoys playing there. It's no like one the enjoys old went, like, going went there. The smells yeah, like this. It, yeah, it's like it's got no toilets. It's crap and it needs doing up. But I agree. Just do it up. Just make mm. it nice. Like rather yeah, than knock the whole do thing it. down. Um, talking of um, European leagues, can I quickly mention yeah, European yeah, yeah, leagues? Yeah. Because... Um, Syria in Syria, staying in Milan. Milan are top of the league, and Zlatan at 39 years old is the top <laughs> scorer in the league. Wow. I just love it. It's just There's hope for us yet. Still time. Yeah, I'm younger yeah, than him. I love it. <laughs> I've got w- one more. One more. Have you heard of um, Yusofa Mukoko? Oh, uh, I recognise that name. Is he Bayern? No, is it Dortmund? Okay. So, oh, the kid. <laughs> The Nigerian the kid. kid. Yeah, yeah, so he is 15 years old and he currently plays in Dortmund's under-19s. This season, so far, he scored 13 goals in four games. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. 13 in four, playing for the under-19s at 15. Dortmund are insane. Like, what They're is happening so at Dortmund is is absolute madness. Jude Bellingham has had a phenomenal start to, to life over there. Yeah. With Harlan, Sancho, Bellingham, this bloody unbelievable kid that they've got. Like, it's, it's madness what's going on. I don't know. I don't know how but it works. They're not, they're not winning anything, though, is the only thing you'd perhaps say. Like, it's, it's great. I agree. And, you know, it's a, they keep doing it. They keep doing it. And they make money when they sell these players. But they're not winning anything. So is there a little bit of, you know, what's, what's at the end of this? Well, they weren't winning anything anyway, so they might as well enjoy it. Yeah. Let's go with that. (laughs) (laughs) Talking of not winning as well. um, VVV. I can't remember what their name is. Uh, It's just on, on Google, it's VVV, but they played against Ajax this weekend and lost 13 nil at home. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Let us go. That's like a kids league score. That doesn't happen in the and they're not even bottom of the league. They're fourteenth out of eighteen. So and it was away from home. Like, what's that all about? Um, <laughs> well put, John. Yeah. Has anyone else have any side stories? No, it. We're no. ready for end game. Let's go. End game. Sorry, right, Jeff, I'm ready. So what are the scores, so Jeff, John? The scores are you're on three. I'm on two. Rogers on two and your games master. And 
I don't have a pen and pa- I do have a pen and paper now. So I'm. So ready. what you meant to say was was Jeff is top of the league, Everton are top of the league. Oh, everything is great. I thought we managed to get through a whole pod without talking about Everton. <laughs> right. So I have gone for a game, and I'm sorry, Rog, because after I've chosen it, I realised that it is in your black patch. It is 2015. So, so before we go, I want you to just, Roger, have a think about what happened in 2015. Did one of your kids get born? Any of your kids born in 2015? Pre-Brexit, pre-Trump. Pre-Brexit, yeah, pre-Trump, the year before Trump. Do you want to just, like, because we're not talking about Thierry Henry playing for Arsenal, okay? And I'm I'm just giving you found it because sometimes... Really? You get it wrong. 2015 (laughs) was not very long ago, but not... That was the year Leicester won the league. No, no, this is 14-15, not 15-16. Ah, okay. So the year team. before Leicester won the league. Okay, when you're with me, Roger. David you're Silver. Yeah, yeah, okay, right. Now I've gone for Man Leicester. City? I've oh, gone for Leicester. Leicester Arsenal because of the Leicester Arsenal game this week. Now, Arsenal won 2 1. It was at the Emirates. The managers were Arsene Wenger and Nigel Pearson. Uh, who lost last week? Um, Rod, you lost last week. Rush so, Rod, you get to go first. Um, Jamie Vardy. Oh, come on. <laughs> what? <laughs> Maybe he didn't play. It wasn't even on the bench, Rog. Jamie Vardy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what was the story? So it's Leicester Arsenal. <laughs> 2015. Nigel Pearson. 2015. And what was the score? 2 1 Arsenal. We've, we've done this. We've gone through this whole process. Um, Wes Morgan. And Jamie Vardy didn't play. No, Wes Morgan played. Well done, John. Um, Hooth. Hooth played. Right. We're, we're, we're in. We're going. Uh, was Petr, Petr Cech in goal for Arsenal? No, John. Oh. Right, no more lives, everyone. Uh, Schmeichel. Oh, come on. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I love this. I still have to get one right, don't I? Yeah, you, you do, do yeah. you do, yeah. Because I'm laughing, but I'm also struggling slightly. Um, Come on, both of mine are ridiculous. Like, they were both <laughs> in the Leicester team that year. Danny Simpson, right back for Leicester. Danny Simpson started right back oh, for Leicester. For fuck's sake. Okay, right, let me go through Mark, these teams. Mark, Mark, Mark Albritton, Okazaki... I'll, I'll do it right. Go on, Jeff. I'm, I'm re- Mark Schwarzer was in goal. Oh, of course. Fuck off. Danny Simpson. What Wes- do you mean, of course? <laughs> Only because Michael was fucking injured. Um, Wes Morgan, uh, Yeloa, Yejoa. Yep. Uh, Robert yeah. Huth, Matthew Upson. Wolowski. Uh, uh, Paul Koncheski. Riyad mm. Mahrez. Ooh. Matty James. Paul Koncheski. Yep. Paul Koncheski was still playing. Is this yep. real? Yeah, it's real. Yep. <laughs> uh, Matty James. Uh, Esteban Cambiasso. Oh, I forgot about oh, Cambiasso. Yes. Love Cambiasso. Jeffrey Schlup. Schlup. 
Shloop, 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 shloop. Uh, David Nugent came off the bench. Oh, David Nugent. Ah. And Danny Drinkwater. Of course. Okay, this course. Arsenal side. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it because the this Arsenal side is so horrible. So oh, this was incredibly end of the bad. Wenger period. Yeah, so this crap. is the last. I think this is the last season that Arsene Wenger were there. Was it? And it, did he just miss out on top four? Was this? The, I can't remember for the life of me. But but to think that he achieved so much with an Arsenal side that looked like this is just absolutely mad. In goal, David Espina, Hector Bellerin, Mertesacker, Kinshelny, Monreal, Rosicky, Cochrane, Cochrane, Carzola, Walcott. Theo Walcott was still playing. Aaron Ramsey, Flamini. Oh, Alexis Sanchez, that's pretty good. Oliver Giroud and Ozil. I can't believe you didn't get any that's of those. Not, that's a really uh, good side. Did, I don't think yeah, that's a very had, good side. Koscielny was yes, captain of France. Like they, they have had much crapper sides than that. Well, that's no, that's true. That's true. They have, had, they have had crapper sides than that. But you should have got some of those Arsenal players, I'm just saying. Well, well but I was over. so confident about Schmeichel and Vardy. I had Arsenal players on my list, but I... like. Come on, like those, <laughs> they must have been injured or something. They both are obviously playing for Leicester at that point. I feel like you know, I was robbed this week. The best thing about this, Rog, is that you're shit at this and I love it. I'm enjoying it so much this year. Enjoying <laughs> who, it so much. Who won last year, John? Let's just go back a little bit. Don't in time, care. Shall we? Last year, yeah. we don't live in the past, Rog. No, no one past. lives in the past apart forward. from past people. <laughs> it's all right. I will win this year too. Um, has anyone got anything before we go? Great to be back in the shed. Oh, Every next week. week. Is it next oh, week? We might, next week. We might Is be in person week? next week or, or the oh, week after. I reckon maybe. even if we can't do it, we should do it on Jeff's nature strip next we, week. Yeah, we do, do it in the, the garden. Yeah. No one will do you know. know I feel it's like, not like we record um, it or anything. With a nature strip, I feel like immediately after I say that, like I need to explain to people what it is. Because it's, it's a, vagina, a weird, Australian, a weird Australian thing. So I'm like, <laughs> you know, the, that bit of grass out the front of your house on the pavement, that's an nature strip. Ah, I thought you genuinely <laughs> yeah, thought you were talking about a vagina. <laughs> no. where, where have you gone with this? You've the nature strip, you know. Oh, your right, nature strip. Okay. No? Landing strip? Not, no one, I've never heard it called a nature strip. Depends how yeah. un- uncouth it is. <laughs> Unkempt. You two fifty-five-year-old men. I'm going to let you keep talking to each other. Known a few nature strips in my life. Have a bit more rope, Jeff. <laughs> um, thank you for listening, everybody. I'm sorry. For <laughs> oh, here comes the voice of reason again. <laughs> um, we will be back next week on a nature strip or in our homes. We'll see. Um, don't forget, if you want to get con- in contact, ask us questions. Or tell us we're wrong about something, just find us on Facebook or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye. Coming to a nature strip. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>